He's coming down, but he's not alone. He's gonna bring an army of saints. And he's taking all this back home, and then destroying what remains. Waiting for October. Polaris. Or maybe Miracle Legion? Hmm. I wonder. Happily Deranged Part 1. Welcome back. Maybe for you, you've just finished the last episode and you've moved immediately on to this one. For me, however, it's been a few weeks. For the few who tune in weekly, sorry about that. And to those who have finished my most recent ep, which ends on a note of me saying I would like to do my best to hit every week before the new year, sorry about that. I wanted to keep going. I really did. I'll tell you more about that a little bit later, but as for my reason, well, initially it wasn't depression or anxiety or laziness. It was that horrible thing that has caused so much depression and anxiety around the globe. I got the COVID. I'm okay now, but the prolonged brain fog associated with a week of severe flu symptoms followed by another week of slow recovery kept me from writing anything remotely coherent. So for this episode, I'm going to do a couple things differently. You'll probably have noticed this ep is a bit longer than usual. That's because this is actually going to be three shorter episodes rolled into one. I'm going to talk about my experience with COVID, then move on to the episode I tried to write while descending into the sickness, and finish up with my climb out and into the new norm. It will all be episode 25, but I'm going to divide it up into three parts, each with its own intro. So now that I've finished part one's intro, let's jump right in. COVID. If you've had it, or had friends or family who've had it, I'm sorry. I know some people who came out of it saying it was no worse than a regular cold, but I also know some people who never saw the other end. Luckily, I fell into the middle of it. It was definitely the worst cold I've ever experienced. I got it from my wife, who got it from her job, and I was able to quarantine pretty immediately after my exposure, and I know I didn't give it to anybody else. With Kim being sick, I did my best to care for her and tried to limit my exposure at the same time. Obviously, that didn't go over very well. The day I sequestered was the day before Thanksgiving, and I was able to work from home on the days I felt able, which was actually great. It was my second round of the joy of being able to pet my cats while getting paid to work on projects, and I wish I could do that every day. Being able to play my music from speakers rather than headphones, drinking as much tea as I can stomach, and being able to flop on my couch when a break is needed. It was all amazing, but then the fog rolled in. It started with a dizziness and an inability to concentrate without slowly rolling into a blank space in my head. The next morning, I found myself on a roller coaster of symptoms, taking me on a wild ride that changed so very frequently. It was like I had two six-sided dice, each face emblazoned with a different symptom, and every hour I got to re-roll what was affecting me. The ping-pong between shivering cold and sweating so thoroughly I'd soak my shirt, only to then be freezing cold in a wet shirt, was a pretty standard daily occurrence. The muscle soreness and extreme joint pain and back pain was my least favorite, but was juxtaposed by a strange numbness, a sensation somewhere between having a foot fall asleep and the gross feeling of having dried glue on your skin only that numbness would creep up the legs and into the lower back. The general fatigue and mental duress caused by high fever followed me into my dreams where it got even wilder. Thanks to a few varieties of cold medicine, I was able to shore myself up enough to go get tested. While I knew full well, thanks to Kim's positive results, that I was in the thick of it, I had to get counted into the greater statistics so I could get that sweet, sweet financial leave from work. The process was relatively painless, but boy howdy did it take a long time. I left my place masked and gloved around 1.20 and didn't return until 3pm. All that time was spent in line, just waiting to spit into a test tube with my name on it. The line, by the way, was made of cars and filled the parking lot of a theater, its overflow parking lot, and the parking lot of the Instacare building next door. This happened on the Monday following Thanksgiving. 
My most severe symptoms were starting to subside by then, but the stretches of feeling better were usually followed by more sudden pain or cold chills and the ever-present, all-consuming mental fog. Let's roll it back to the Thanksgiving holiday. My parents were awesome enough to drop off a couple of turkey dinners Saturday night, the night they had prepared the meal for themselves. None of us had the pleasure of gathering, but as I've heard said, we didn't gather this year in order to help assure our ability to gather next year. Thanks, Mom and Dad. The food was great. They also dropped off the leftovers in the form of turkey salad a few days later. That turkey salad is magic, and I attribute my current good health to its consumption. The week after, I spent brain-addled and ill, but on the slow climb towards wellness. I spent a long time thinking about how terrible so much of the year had been, and seemed to culminate in my being there, sick as can be, missing my friends. I especially missed the friendsgivings of years past. I thought about the tentative plans we had made earlier in the year, hoping that it would have blown over well before that. I thought about all the people I hadn't seen in nearly a year. I thought about last year's New Year's party and the last real party we had before the pandemic, and how a quick turn of the world had changed so much. All that thinking made me think that the brain fog was finally clearing, and I began to explore the world of other activities. Before I fell ill, I had been playing the Final Fantasy VII Remake, the one where they replace all of the important plot elements with literal ghosts. But in my attempt to pass time by picking it back up, I just fell asleep. Which is a shame. Despite some of the odd choices they made, I actually quite enjoyed the game. I was able to focus on television, and thanks to a recommendation by my friend Sarah, yeah, I'm just saying people's names now. Hi, Sarah. Thanks to her, I powered through the new His Dark Materials show, whose first season was extremely well done, and I highly recommend that. After a full week of sickness had passed, I was well enough to actually focus on a thing. I found a chunk of the episode I had started to write while I was, as a mother, getting up and coming down with the sickness. I did my best to salvage what I had started, but would later find myself doing the same thing again. I played a little Warframe with friends and family, a game about jumping around as a robot space ninja, which can be done through the power of the internet, and was able to go back and beat that Final Fantasy game. As that next week had passed, I breathed easier, literally. And even though I still feel like I'm shaking off the mental fatigue, I'm happy to report that I'm getting better every day. Happily Deranged, Part 2 I know I started this episode out with lyrics about a month we finished up, well, more than a month ago. But if you recognize them, you might know what I'm going to spend today talking about. Before I dive in, hello there. I hope your holidays were safe and sequestered. I know it sucks not to be around friends or family, especially on a day where we usually gather and give thanks for being able to do exactly that. If you were able to do so safely, I hope you were grateful for that. If you were like me, unable to do so, I hope it makes next year all the better. This past October, and I guess part of November as well, we experienced a day that I don't look forward to, but celebrate nevertheless. Daylight savings time. Traditionally, I start the day off with a powerful helping of cornflakes, as the riboflavin helps with the time transition that occurs that night. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, I hope you're excited. But one more note on that evening of time travel. Over the years, I've celebrated it in various ways, from trying to recreate, down to the sentence, the exact happenings of an hour you live over again, to a day full of time travel-themed movies. But the one that sticks in my memory the most is the one that happened while I was living in the apartment I shared with Trevor. It was my first time ever being sick while living away from my parents. I wanted to celebrate in some way, but didn't have enough energy to do more than lay on the futon, so that's exactly what I did. I laid on the living room futon and I watched a marathon of, and I hope you've guessed it, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. You see, I was raised by adventure. I grew up watching a strange Nickelodeon show about two brothers, both named Pete Wrigley, and their many stories and experiences shaped who I am in some terribly profound ways. 
including the manner in which I celebrate every fall on the day when we turn our clocks back. The show itself was a three-season coming-of-age tale told from the perspective of the Tidular brothers. The younger brother, Little Pete, his stories typically focused on that awkward stage in life where you're still a child, but are told to start growing up. His constant defiance of social norms and the way in which he questioned the bigger whys behind those norms taught me to question things not just by asking why, but by considering the reasons those structures exist in the first place. It helped me to look at the lessons adults were teaching me and compare them to things in my own life, to make everything relative. At the same time, Little Pete had a love for life and its weirdness, and always embraced the silliness of others, as he saw it as what defined them as humans. His personal superhero, Artie, the strongest man in the world, helped Little Pete defy bullies, escape the law, and even beat up the ocean in hopes that it would help Summer stick around for just a few more days. But in return, Little Pete helped him fit into society and gain acceptance. Meanwhile, Big Pete's stories were set on the stage in which we as humans are realizing those same life lessons aren't enough to guide you through the transition to adulthood smoothly. In fact, it's the making mistakes that really puts a lot of it into perspective, messing up and accepting that fact. Learning from it and growing are the key lessons of Big Pete. Finding yourself as a human and defining yourself in a healthy way, even if it means defying the social norms and forging your own path. Lessons of friendship and how to mesh your understanding of the world comfortably with others were also commonplace. My favorite episodes are the ones where the brothers worked together, blending the younger perspective of wild youthful energy and the lack of a desire to fit in with the older perspective and struggle to rein it in and fit into the forms that we believe are necessary to exist. Reaching that understanding that the world is a weird place and that you don't have to fit in perfect to be comfortable. Finding your own way and building the confidence to help others understand your boundaries and methods. Those are the lessons that made me who I am. To drive the point home, the show was peppered with larger-than-life stories involving not only a personal superhero, but a series of mundane supervillains, like Papercut, a child who was raised in a copy shop who can fold a million unique origami shapes, including weapons, or Pitstain, a kid with a glandular problem that not only made him smell bad, but also made him unusually aggressive, or my personal favorite, Endless Mike, the atypical bully who wants to skew your perspective to meet his own rather than simply terrorize you. It also incorporated a cast whose star power is practically unrivaled by modern television. Steve Buscemi played the school's guidance counselor, LL Cool J was Little Pete's teacher, and Adam West played a principal. Iggy Pop is Little Pete's best friend's dad, and he once swept Debbie Harry's lawn for landmines. Selma Blair and Alicia Keys were fellow students of Big Pete, who got his hair cut from J.K. Simmons. I could continue, but listing them like this would take another ten minutes. The Soundtrack there are rumors and stories and legends about the soundtrack. It was some of the first music I ever sought to add to my own collection. From the time the intro blasts you with its early 90s indie rock waves until the credits roll, the music will roll you with songs from bands like Luscious Jackson, The Apples in Stereo, Drop 19s, a handful of Stephen Merritt's projects like the Gothic Archies, The Sixths, and a personal favorite of mine, The Magnetic Fields. I still have songs by all of these bands on regular rotation, and during my attempts at finding them, I found a dozen other bands and beloved songs. Much of my early taste in music came from this adventure. All of this is to say that the show had a lingering effect on me. Riboflavin and music aside, I quote the show in secret pretty much every week of my life, and if you ever watch it, it might give up a few of the secrets behind why I am who I am. I've got it on DVD if you ever want to borrow it. Well, everything but season three, which was never released. Hashtag free the Pete's. Happily Deranged Part 3
sitting down to write right now has me pretty bummed out. The date in the bottom right corner of my screen is screaming at me that I have missed the opportunity to spend the last few weeks gearing up for Christmas, telling stories and events from my past to help me and hopefully you get into the holiday spirit no matter what it is that you celebrate. Honestly, you'd think that taking a few weeks off from making this podcast would have been a time to relax and maybe refine the project a little. Nope. For me, it was just a stressful time sitting at my desk, staring at a blank page and typing out unusual garbo. Hot garbo, if you will. So what I'm going to do today is tell you how I went from a blank page to this long episode. After my big recovery week from COVID, I returned to work, and while I wasn't one hundo p, I was no longer symptomatic, meaning it was either return to work or start burning through my sick leave or vacation time. While work can be stressful, I like what I do and who I do it with, and it was the ability to see and talk with humans that ultimately drove me to going back in. Telling them about my experience was stressful, as a few of them had recently had family members also contract the virus. I didn't want to downplay it, but I didn't want to scare them either, and I hope I walked that tightrope well. While my brain still felt muddled at times, I was able to power through a lot of work pretty quickly. This time of year is typically when we start to slow down for the next month or so, seeing as the grocery stores are all in their full holiday bustle, and the local area is covered in a sheet of ice, nobody really wants our services. This year though, it seemed like we were just gearing up for how busy we're going to be next year. I came back to work in the middle of a crunch that was scheduled to last until after the new year. To make matters worse, my coworkers started dropping like flies. The rate of exposure and potential symptoms spiked, and people self-isolated or were sent away into the realm of quarantine. This took the already sizable pile of work and shoveled it onto the shoulders of the few who remained. As the sun in the sky was sinking earlier each day, my time spent in the office began to increase. I would get home spent and still somehow brain dead. I'd sit down to write and nothing would come out. An idea struck me. I needed to get creative in other ways. I had a touch of inspiration for a mixed media piece after seeing an art by my friend Chani. She had taken a drawing of hers and run it through a number of filters to make this amazing piece that made me want to build it with a dozen random ingredients. Once I had her permission to do so, I began my dive into the project. I cut apart a Czech cereal box and a few newspapers and glued them all together to form a solid backer and a delightfully textured background. I made sure to spread glue around the face as well to change the way the future painting would stick to the newspaper. I drew up a rough placement for all the key pieces and began the watercolor process for the background. I used oil-based paint pens to highlight areas before dicing up tissue paper and basically scatter shooting it onto the background, creating layers of blur and brightness. Another layer of paint and a few more highlights and shadows and I was ready to start dipping string into paint. You heard me. I dipped hemp thread into white paint and then once it had dried, bent it into the shapes I wanted and glued them onto the board. It took about five interspersed nights of work to complete, mostly due to various dry times, but even though most of the work was physical, the brain fog would catch up to me and fatigue me in weird ways. Ultimately, it was a beautiful bit of meditation in which I made something I am proud of and got to keep my creative juice, well, juicy. Once I was done, I figured I was ready to sit back down at the desk to smear that juice all over the page. No luck. A few weeks back, before the virus, a professional had fed me a series of sciencey know-how on a method of fighting depression that was right up my alley. Exercise. While I'm not in the worst shape, I'm also far from the best. I usually pudge right up during the winter months as well, what with my lack of wanting to be outside in the cold and snow. I don't walk nearly as much this time of year, and there is all the holiday food I love to cram into my face. I'm getting away from the point. Exercise. I have an exercise bike situated right by my TV so that I can do a thing while doing another thing, my favorite. 
Of course, I didn't work out during the week of my sickness or the week of recovery, and even still to this day I am not doing it daily as I was recommended. But I have started again. I got my blood pumping and my body sweating. I moved and I worked and I exerted myself and I pushed and got sore. And it helped. Until I sat back at my desk and found that the words that happened were bad. From the week before I got sick until today, I blew through five audiobooks. A brilliant fantasy trilogy that a friend of mine had been recommending for years about the end of the world. Or the beginning. The fifth season. It was actually a beautiful series filled with characters that seemed so real and human, who faced their trials with realistic reactions and made mistakes and suffered consequences. They gained knowledge through throwing themselves into the thick of it. The descriptions featured in the series were phenomenal, and I loved the places it took my head. Then I stumbled upon a sample for a book that I had been excited about for a while. An absolutely remarkable thing. Both the name of the book and a description of itself as a whole. When it comes to books, I'm not one to start a series without the complete works being done. I've been burned too many times by waiting for the next book, only to keep waiting for a significant percentage of my life. Then, by the time it comes out, I have forgotten enough that I feel pressured into reading a whole series over. It burns me out. But this? This one got me. The first ten minutes of the audiobook were included in a podcast, and I foolishly let myself play them out. Then, of course, I had to consume the rest. And then the next book but then I discovered something amazing. There were only two books in the series. I had somehow played myself the fool by assuming that all modern works are at least trilogies. I was pleasantly surprised to find that I had been tricked into enjoying the entire series. Upon its conclusion, I once again sat down to write, and found that a few words did come out, but they were not usable for this project. I didn't know what to do. But then it happened. Within the space of about four hours, I had two friends reach out and ask about this project. I tried my best to explain that I was trying. I was using my tools and doing what I could to get the words out of my head. They were both helpful and supported, and exactly what I needed. As for what happened next, well, you just finished it. Thanks for listening. I'm glad I was finally able to pull the words from my ding-dang noodle. I'm going to be real with you. There won't be another episode this year. This is it. 2020 is over for this podcast. I did it. I stumbled a little bit here at the end, but I'm setting realistic expectations and goals for myself, and I know the holidays are crazy busy. I'm going to release more episodes next year. I plan on doing them twice a month instead of weekly. I've got more projects I'd like to work on, and I don't want to burn myself out on this one. Besides, nice numbers like 25 episodes a year really make that pattern-enjoying part of my brain happy. Thanks for sticking it out and waiting for this one to drop. Merry Christmas, Happy Honk, Casual Scrimbo, and Happy New Year. I'll see you again on the flip side.